Welcome to the Basilea Hollywood Podcast, a community of friends committed to the message and practice of Jesus and His Kingdom. Thank you, Jesus, for this woman. Thank you for her heart, for people, and for you. What a gift you are, Suze. Thank you, Jesus, for this wonderful day. As we think about what you did for us, I pray that that would move beyond our heads and into our hearts and our spirits. We just bless you, Suze, as you share. We love you. Amen. Good to see you guys. So good to be here. Basilea on Sunday. Easter Sunday. Family time. Feels good. Love you guys. Welcome to a few new people, new faces that aren't, haven't been here before. We, um, we're glad you're here. It's a special day. It's like the special day for our faith, this Easter, this Resurrection Sunday. This is kind of what it's all about, why we do this thing, why we show up here, why we believe what we believe. It's like all wrapped up into this moment in human history, and it's super special. So I'm excited to be sharing with you today. I am... Um, I, uh, last week someone was here and they asked me just really clearly and directly, why Jesus? Why is this path right for you? And people usually aren't like that, like, why Jesus? Tell me right now. You're the pastor of this church. I want to know, why do you follow Jesus? And it kind of took me off guard. And I was like, I need to, I should know this. <laughs> I do know this. But, um, I, uh, I had a, a long, long explanation about, um, a good, about my journey, about how my experience as a kid, my knowledge of the Bible, coming from like a Baptist tradition, met experience in college. Um, and and uh, I went to college at Vanguard University and really got to know what the whole, like who the Holy Spirit is there, like in a new, fresh way, in a way that was alive. And I told him about coming to Basilea for the first time and experiencing really authentic community and about my, like, lenses of my eyes changing to, like, see the kingdom everywhere. I just kept going on and on. And, <clears throat> and then as I've been preparing for my Easter message, I, I just, I wondered for myself, why didn't I say, I've got resurrection power living on the inside. Jesus, you have given me freedom. I, I, we, don't, we don't go there first, usually, when we tell people about Jesus. We're scared to kind of bring up the, oh, and he, he rose from the dead. But that, that power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that we have. And it breaks into our reality, and it breaks into our life. And I, uh, we went to a a conference a year ago around this time, a healing conference, and we sang that song there, I've got resurrection power living inside me, you've given me freedom. And um, 
Tuesday night, Rhea was at my house, and we were praying for somebody. We were doing the last Enneagram session. Enneagram is like a spiritual formation tool. And at the end, after discussion, we were praying for somebody for healing, that they, they, had, they needed healing in their body. And um, Rhea was like bringing up the tools. She was remembering the tools she learned at the conference, and she was just like, no, let's pray again. Like pressing in, like, you guys know, we're, we got we to gotta pray again. So we ended up praying three times, and there was, like, some significant difference in the person. They, they felt some difference, not complete healing, but they, they did feel some difference. And, and today, for me, is it all about Jesus. It's all about worshiping, worshiping Jesus. He's the focus. Um, but there's this thing that he says at the end of the text we're going to read today, and it's, it's, don't be afraid and go tell them. And I feel like we have to not be afraid and go tell people that Jesus rose from the dead. Um, yeah. Jesus is who he says he is, the Son of God, and his resurrection power proves that. I want our awareness of that to increase, to be our first identity. We are children of God, co-heirs with Christ. Before any role or occupation or label that we give ourselves, or that's been described on us, before our sexual identity, our ethnicity, our political affiliations, or resurrection people, before all of that. <clears throat> Christ defeated death so we could too. And today we're thankful for that, and today it's about worship, and so we're going to be reading a story about a couple people who, with deep wonder and full of joy, obey and worship Jesus. And um, when I was talking to Troy about, like, why is so, like, tell me why you think the resurrection is so important, he, um, he was like, well, Paul, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that if Christ didn't rise from the dead, raised from the dead, I get those tenses wrong. It's annoying. But then your faith is useless. You're still dead in your sin. <clears throat> and you should be pitied above all people. First Corinthians 15 says, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, if you don't believe in that moment, your faith is useless. You're still dead in your sin and you should be pitied above all people. It's like super strong language, right? You're like... Okay, this, this is like, a, this is important. It's an important one. So, um, yeah, let's, let's read about it. <clears throat> Matthew 28, 1 through 4, this is from the message. Does anybody like to read? Does any, wouldn't anybody feel good about reading this? Yes, Kevin. Matthew 28, 1 through 4. After the Sabbath... As the first light of the new week dawned, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to keep vigil at the tomb. Suddenly the earth reeled and rocked under their feet as God's angel came down from heaven, came right up to where they were standing. He rolled back the stone and then sat on it. Shafts of lightning blazed from him, his garments shimmered snow white. The guards at the tomb were scared to death. They were so frightened they couldn't move. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. <clears throat> so kind of the first question in this story is who? Who are these, who are these two Marys um, that come to Jesus' uh, tomb? 
the very wee hours of the morning. And the first one that mentions is Mary Magdalene. And she's mentioned 12 times in the Gospels, more than many of the other disciples. She has this experience with Jesus, and he casts out seven demons from her. So she has experienced this crazy freedom in her life, and then she just, like, starts following Jesus. And the other Mary, um, we don't know who that is, but the other Mary, um, what we do know about her is that she wouldn't, she must be a dedicated follower of Jesus or she wouldn't actually be there because all the disciples are like really freaked out. They're scared. They're hiding. So these women are very courageous women that show up um, at Jesus's tomb. And the reason I read through many translations of this and the reason I chose the message was for this little, this little keep vigil. I was like, what does that mean that they showed up to the tomb to keep vigil? And I hear that a lot, and I hear that a lot in, like, the Catholic tradition to keep vigil for something. And it's meaning, meaning wakefulness. It's a period of purposeful sleeplessness, an occasion for devotional watching and observance. I mean, this woman has experienced crazy healing, Mary. The other one must have seen Jesus do all this crazy stuff. And so their friend has died, and they just want to be near him. Just like anybody that you know that has died, you just like want to be near them. You want to be with them one more time. You want to hold their hand. You want to say your goodbyes. You, it's like a, you just want to be with him. <clears throat> it's out of relationship. I think sometimes we read the Bible and we miss that there's like so much life that's happened between these people. And they just, they love each other. It's out of relationship that they want to be together. <clears throat> And um, I really, I know this kind of like wanting to be with somebody that's passed away. Like I know this feeling because um, I know most of you know, I, Troy and I lost a baby about a year and a half ago. I was seven months pregnant and um, I can't like seem to let go of his ashes. We, um, we even, we bought a olive tree and we put it in the backyard because I was like, I'm going to put the ashes. I'm going to like plant them like as like he's with us. But it's like, I can't let him go. What if we move? And I know he's like not in the ashes, but it's like, I can't, I can't let go of him. Like I know he's with Jesus, but there's something I don't have to let go of him. Which is, which is good. This is a, a picture of me um, in the hospital holding him. And um, I've been on a Richard Rohr kick lately, as most of you know. <laughs> I really like Richard Rohr. And um, I think the reason I really started liking him was because um, in the book, Everything Belongs, we're doing a study on Thursday nights of it. It's super good if anybody wants to join us. But in this book, the first kind of thing that woke me up to Richard War and really like made me want to read more and more is of this thing he calls liminal experiences. And liminal um, is from <clears throat> a word in Latin, which is like threshold. Like we have these experiences, these threshold experiences that are um, that change us. 
Liminal space induces a type of inner crisis to help make a needed transition. In brief, it should wake us up. That's what liminal, ex that's is what is meant by liminal experience. The two greatest liminal experiences, of course, are birth and death. <clears throat> and so I have this, this moment with both of those the same time, this life and death. To life again in Jesus, I believe. Jesus is the first fruits of this. We follow Jesus into death and resurrection. I will, Alden, my son, will. And if you know him, you will too. And I'm like much more awake to this after that experience. Wake up! <clears throat> Suddenly the earth reeled and rocked. They're, they're jolted awake. I just found this little piece in the text interesting that the angel like comes right up to them. They're totally freaked out and then he like sits down. Do you have that picture of the angel sitting, sitting down? He's just like, okay, don't worry. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to like give a posture. I'm going to sit back, be in a posture where you can actually hear and receive what I'm going to say. The good news. The angel spoke to the women. There's nothing to fear here. I know you're looking for Jesus, the one they nailed to the cross. He's not here. He was raised just as he said. Come and look at the place where he was placed. He was raised just as he said. I'm not going to read all these. I'm going to choose one. But in the gospel we've been in for the last bit, he's said three times, guys, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to, from the time Jesus began to explain this to disciples, <clears throat> that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed and on the third day will be raised to life. So he, he said this to him, them three times. He is who he says he is. This like moment, Jesus is who he says we, he is. We could trust him because he raised from the dead. N.T. Wright says, take away the resurrection in, of Jesus in fact and you leave Matthew without a gospel. You leave Matthew with no good news. Nothing Jesus said or did matters if he didn't raise from the dead. <clears throat> Take away the resurrection of Jesus, in fact, and you leave Matthew without a gospel. And then I love this, the angel. Come and look at the place he was placed. There's this invitation to investigate. Jeremy shared a couple weeks ago about like investigating his faith. Like, What's going on? with this Jesus guy. It's our invitation still today. Investigate Jesus. There's room. There's room for your questions. Investigate him. Investigate his resurrection. The tomb is empty. You can stay here in this place of death and non-belief. Or like move forward through that liminal kind of space. Idea of like seeing new, and a new threshold, walking into a new belief. <clears throat> the, 
then he says, the text says, now get on your way quickly and tell the disciples, he is risen from the dead. He is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. That's the message. Nice and simple. You're not freaked out anymore. Let me tell you what happened. He rose from the dead. Now go tell the disciples. And um, I, I'm sure you guys have heard this, but I, I love to make this really point clear that it's super cool and interesting that the first people that are told about the resurrection are two women in this gospel. The other gospel accounts are a little bit different, but the, the main person that's always there is Mary Magdalene in every account. And it's interesting because in this culture and time, women's word is like nothing. So it, their testimony has no weight. So for God to use women instead of the men it's really cool, and it shows like just another way that he's pressing into cultural understanding and saying it's upside down. It's not what you think. You don't know who's in. You don't know who's out. <clears throat> Confronting our understanding. This is good news. The resurrection is for everyone. They were a super good choice. These women were a super good choice <clears throat> because what they do in response and what I want to do with you today after I'm done talking is this. The women, deep in wonder and full of joy, lost no time leaving the tomb. They ran to tell the disciples. Then Jesus met them, stopping in their, them in their tracks. Good morning, he said. And they fell to their knees, embraced his feet, and worshiped him. Jesus said, you're holding on to me for dear life. Don't be frightened. Go tell my brothers that they are to go ahead to Galilee and that I'll meet them there. Deep and wonderful of joy. They respond with wonder and joy. They waste no time. They just obey. They just believe. There's a lot of responses if you read, if you read the resurrection story. A lot of people respond to Jesus' resurrection in a lot of different ways. The guards are scared to death. They can't even move. And then they go and tell the chief priests and there's this giant cover-up. There's this, like, they pay them off, and they tell them, you're not going to lose your job. And even when they saw an angel from God, they still choose that path. <clears throat> There's so many. So I would just say, go read the resurrection of Jesus. Everyone responds so differently. But I love the way the women respond. Deep in wonder and full in joy, they fall to their knees <clears throat> and worship. And I, I love that Jesus shows up. Because he doesn't have to. They're already doing what they're told to do. He doesn't have to show up. They're, they're already doing the thing that the angel told them to do. And I love that. He meets us. He just shows up in our path. Doesn't make sense. I think the same way they, are, they go to keep vigil... They go to be with Jesus. He just loves us. He just wants to be with us. He wants to get in our path. He wants to stand in our way and say, what about me? It's us. It's a relationship. Let's, let's do this together. I think, I think he just wants to be with them. He wants to see them again. <clears throat> he bolsters their faith even more than the angel, affirming their importance and friendship to him. And I really think he shows up for, like this for us. And sometimes it's life experiences, circumstances make it hard to see God showing up. 
And I think that's why we have to tell stories about it. We have to share with each other, like all the time, like every time. When I've been thinking about community, um, what God has been telling me, if I could say three things for us, kind of moving forward as a community, what is, what is God saying for us? He's saying, pay attention to discipleship. Like, go deeper in discipleship. What does it mean to really follow Jesus? What does that cost for you? How do we do it together? How do we love each other well? How do we obey his commands? What does it look like to follow Jesus and be his disciples? And the second thing is lift up stories. We gotta, we gotta do it. We gotta, when, some, when Jesus shows up in your path, I just, I, I get this picture. Kayla, stand up. Kayla's Jesus. I mean, not really, but... You know what I mean? Like there's like a path you're on and you're confronted and you get and Jesus maybe is 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 pointing us to a direction and then we there's this moment of choice where we get to choose if we're going to worship Jesus first of all, if we're going to like have a moment with him and like take time and understand what's going on with him, what he's asking of us and we get to choose if we're going to do what he says or if we're going to go another direction. I just see our life as like choices. God keeps showing up and we get to keep choosing him or not. There's an initial believing when we're confronted with the good news of Jesus and we repent and believe and we submit our life to Christ. And then there's like this continual stories of how Jesus keeps showing up. And we keep choosing him. And so those are the stories I want to be hearing from you guys. Those are the stories that, that need to be told. And then the last thing is just what we've been pressing in over this season of Lent, which is like the Enneagram, like learning a tool for all of us that'll really help us love each other more and be with God more. Um, yeah. I... Uh, I'm excited to start this little process. So what we're going to do for the rest of the time today is my friends Eric and Alexa are going to come up and share for about five minutes a story of this kind of interruption of Jesus. And um, I'm going to say a few more things, and then we're going to spend a little bit of time thinking and asking each other how's God showing up, telling each other some stories in little groups, and then we're just going to worship together at the end because that's what today's about. It's really about worship. That's what we need to be doing. The women fall on their face and worship. That's what I just, I just want us to do. I want to go tell people and worship. So, come up here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Eric and Alexa are newly on our board. They've been around for eight years. <laughs> and they're just such a good example of Jesus like following Jesus when he shows up in their path and they just choose him even when it's hard. They're like rolling their eyes at me, but I just, I see it in you guys. And it's been crazy this past season, just so many times. Like Alexa, I've been, I've been praying with someone and Alexa texts me like right when I'm praying for the same thing with someone. And she's like, I feel like God's saying this. Like at the same time I'm praying for somebody and I'm like, dude, God just told Alexa this for you. Isn't that crazy? So the Holy Spirit, I just feel, is really on these guys and is, like, as leaders of our community. So I just want to hear from them. Hi, everybody. 
I'm a little nervous, so I thought I would just name it so I can get on with what I feel like God's asking me to share from my heart about. Um, You're going to do fine. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, I'll so, tell you if you're, like, getting it wrong. Okay, yeah. great. Um, so for Lent, I've been participating in the Enneagram Bible study spiritual practices. And um, when I was going through, basically for those of you guys who don't know what that is, um, it's a personality naming type system where you um, can identify with certain personality traits and kind of design your spiritual practices and ways to just spend time with God around things that kind of you're naturally into. Um, and I am a person who is very disciplined, but also very hard on myself. That's uh, categorized as a kind of a, as a, as the number one. Um, but throughout this whole season, I think God has continually just shown up in my life, like when I'm not paying attention and asking me to spend time with Him. He's not asking me to do good things for him. He's not asking me to um, work hard for him or prove myself to him. Uh, I continually hear him say, like, just waste time with me. I hear, um, spend time with me, um, which is such a weird thing to hear when I, I think in my growing up years and the way that I just participate in life, it's like, I got to go do this. I got to go produce this. I got to make this happen. It's all on me. Like I have a lot of strength. I have a lot of drive. I have a lot of ambition. And God's saying like, hey, let's hang out. Go sit in your hammock and like, listen to me. And I I tell you guys the first time he ever said that I got really uncomfortable because it's very unlike me to want to just stay put and stay at rest. Um, But I've been trying to do that, and uh, I think as the days and weeks have gone on, I've uh, become more comfortable with just letting him be God and not asking him to do things for me and not asking, what can I do for you? It's more, how can I understand you? How can I hear from you? What are you asking of me? Um, And the deeper that I listen to him... um, he just wants to spend time with us. He just wants to spend time with me. Um, and I had a very powerful moment a couple weeks ago when Jeremy and David, um, our founding pastor, was here. Um, and they, I won't get into all of what they were talking about, but it really affected me. It really made me see my life in a new way. And, and I felt the Lord say, as I was listening to them speak, like, your frustration and your drive and your ambition is actually hindering you from like just spending time with me. And I'm a very noisy, very snot crier. So if you guys were here and prayed for me, that was me wailing in the corner because it it just hit me in such a fresh way. Like God doesn't need me to um, perform for him. He just wants to be with me. And anything I get to do in service of him and for the kingdom is like a gift. It's not a performance. So, um, I'm continually reminded of how it's a relationship. It's not a performance. Um, it's really changed the way that I see my life. It's really changed the way that I think I want to participate in community and encourage people. Like, it's not about what we do. What we do is important as an outflow of our relationship with him, but it's not a performance, and it's not a, uh, I have to. It's a get to. We get to. We get to live life with somebody who cares so deeply about us. So, did I get it right?
Is that close? You did great. Well, I think you said everything eloquently. Um, yeah. The tough part is I, I mean, we're, we're very much in this journey together. I'm, um, personally, I'm, I'm still kind of in the thick of it. I haven't been able to figure out any eloquent way to share what God's been doing, but it's been absolutely clear that he's just kind of like shaking everything up. We're like even pulling the rug out from underneath us a little bit in the way that we understand our relationship to him. Um, it's been an interesting season. Uh, I think for me personally, I've been challenged in a lot of ways where what, we, what we're doing together in life for like careers and for missional things or whatever, um, he's been kind of taking away the sense of um, maybe simple wisdom or math. If we do these wise things, these things will come about. Like, you know, stuff that I even believe like is wise that God says, here, operate these ways in life. He's pulled the rug out from underneath us. I think it's to get our attention about the relationship of how we engage with him. Like, you know, everything about our, our careers that we're participating in together is um, so performance-based, you know? And, um, and then he keeps coming to us and robbing us of the outcomes that should be there and saying, just waste time with me, <laughs> which is very challenging and I think very good. Um, so I'm not totally sure which way is up here except to continue to just waste time with God. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's very much where I'm at. I, it, it's, it's tough because there's so many things happening swirling around me and, and us together. Uh, right now we've kind of been whittled back to the place where every day we wake up and say, what do you, what do you want to do today? <laughs> and then just go show up in that space, you know? So, yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks. <clears throat> yeah. So, we can get into groups of three-ish, two or three. Three, two or three. And just talk a little bit. Hi, guys. Welcome. Just talk a little bit about this raising up stories. And if you don't have a story about what Jesus is doing right now, then listen to somebody else's story about Jesus is what, what Jesus is doing right now because he is active and moving everywhere around us. And this season for us at Basilea is like really seeing it clearer and responding to it. So Let's get into groups for the next 10 minutes. If you're super uncomfortable, I'm sorry. This is what we do at Basilea. We talk to each other. It's so weird when you show up at church and you have to like talk to somebody next to you. Tell them about yourself. We're gonna talk, just tell, tell them, tell a story of maybe even, hey, I think God showed up here, what do you think? And then um, we're gonna talk a little bit more and then we're just gonna worship and um, yeah. So don't be scared. Break.